Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is October the 2nd, and our chapter for today is Romans chapter 14. Actually, I believe that Romans 13, 14, and 15, except for the end of chapter 15, are all related together. Because just what I was talking about in the last podcast on chapter 13 about the government and how we are to act or react to them is based upon what the Apostle Paul begins to talk about in 13.8, and it is the basis upon which he builds his entire chapter 14 and 15. And the information that's in there. Let's look at what it says. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, this is exactly what I was making the point about. It is the moral base of the Judeo-Christian Bible that gives democracy its standing before God with each other. Because if we know that we are created in the image of God, the true and the living God, the creator God, the one who made everything, the one who said he made us in his likeness. We are to love each other. We are to care for each other, especially those of us who are followers of Jesus. The Bible says, be good to all men. That's what the apostle Paul said, but especially those of the household of faith. And we are to be shining examples of a greater family. I've said this over and over again. No church will be any stronger than the families that make it up. And no family will be any stronger than the mom and dad who hold it together and are responsible to God. There is order to our societal relationships, to the home, to the church, to the government. And we cannot say, okay, this is our family life, this is our church life, and this is our government life. God made us to live for his glory in all three, and they go across boundaries because it is not that our life is divided up in segments. Now, I know Americans in the West would love to do that. But we can't do that because Jesus is our life. And because he is our life, then it affects our life, every aspect of our life. It informs the way we live. It is the basis upon which we live. It's the basis upon how we work. We do it as unto God, not as men pleasers. That's a Judeo-Christian value. We treat one another with dignity and respect. That's a Judeo-Christian value. We do what we do as unto the Lord, and we subject ourselves to others as following the divine order. But there are times when in our sin-cursed world, people rise to power and governments do things that are anti-God. 
Believers cannot function just on dictates and the morality of a government because a government many times is not under the auspices that is under the direction of God himself. No, we we go to a higher law, the law of love, the love for God, the love for each other. And this is what many evangelicals are missing today and Christians worldwide. The number one thing we are to do is not share the gospel. That's not the great commandment. The great commandment is to love God with everything that's within us. Now, will that cause us to love others and share the gospel? Of course, but we cannot get the cart before the horse. The great commandment. See, Jesus and Moses were in agreement. See, this is what modern evangelicals are trying to make it as though everything Moses had was all law. There are 613 commandments that are listed in Torah. 365 are negative. The rest are positive. That's the way that we classify them. But the reality is the word Torah doesn't mean law as we have made it to be, where that all that Moses said we have no use for anymore, all that the prophet says we have no use for anymore, all that the writings say we have no use for anymore. That is not the teaching of the Bible. The Bible is confluent from Genesis to Revelation, where there's some things written for certain people at certain times, certain epochs and seasons and dispensations. Yes, but... The word Torah doesn't mean law. It means teaching. It means instruction. And so were those instructions for salvation? They were to lead us to the Savior. They were to lead us to Messiah. No law can ever take away sin. No keeping of a mitzvah can take away sin. It doesn't matter how many commandments, mitzvot, that you keep, you can never work your way to heaven because a man is saved and made right with God by trusting God, not by his works of righteousness, which he can do, but the righteousness that God provides through faith. This is the way Abraham was saved, not by his works. He was a sinful man just like everybody else, but he was chosen by God to be the father of a great people. He believed God, he trusted God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's what Genesis chapter 15 says. No law, no ram, no bull, no goat, no lamb could ever take away sin. The blood of an animal cannot atone for the sin of a man. And so we have just gotten things really out of kilter. And what I'm saying to you is Moses said, what's the number one thing to do? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with the totality of your entire being, your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, your body, everything, everything. Well, when they came to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew and said, Lord, what is the greatest thing we can do? What's the greatest commandment that we can keep? Jesus went right back to Moses. He didn't say Shabbat. He didn't say have no other gods before you. He didn't say what we call the Ten Commandments. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the protos. This is the priority. This is the first. And it is the megale. It is the mega commandment. The mega commandment is the beginning of all commandments. What is the mega commandment? For you and I to love God with everything that's within us. Love God more than anything. Love God more than anyone. To be true to God more than anyone or anything. And Jesus then said, and I'll give you the second one because they didn't know that either. Obviously, they hadn't gotten it. 
And he said, you're to love others, those who have made in the image of God. You are to love uh, your neighbor. You're to love those lost, saved, Christian, non-Christian, followers of Jesus, not followers of Jesus. You are to love them in the same way that God has loved you, in the same way that you want to be loved, in the same way you want to be treated, in the same way that you would want somebody to be to you, be to them. Now, that'd make a difference in our churches. That'd make a difference in our homes. That'd make a difference in America. And this is what happens when the Judeo-Christian value system is embraced. People treat other people with dignity and respect. They don't treat one another based upon the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Martin Luther King didn't come up with that. God did. He just said in a way that we all remember. You see, we don't treat one another because of where we came from. We don't treat one another because of where we live in a city. We don't treat one another the way that we do based upon the color of their skin or their educational background. We need to treat one another as people who are image bearers, people who bear the image of the eternal God. We are to love them. That would take care of crime in itself. That would take care of most of what's happening bad in our country today. Yes, there are all kinds of ramifications and results that come from that that we have to work through. But the reality is the love of God should control us. The love for God should control us. And our love of men and the love for men and women and boys and girls, born and unborn, we should love them and care for them and do that in a way that reflects that we love God and understand our place. And then he said, when you do this, you fulfill the law, because this was the summary of it. And Jesus gave that. The gospel didn't come along till after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And if you don't love God and you don't love others, you're never going to share the gospel except out of have to, to be seen. But please understand that the Great Commission, as we call it, that's not a biblical term, but the Great Commission, as we call it, to make disciples, we ought to do that out of delight and out of a love for other people, not out of a sense of judgment and a sense of condemnation, but out of a sense of love. Jackie DeShannon had it right back in 1969 when she went to the top of the pop charts with a song that says what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's too little of. There's too little of it in our homes. There's too little of it in our churches. There's too little of it in our culture and in our society because we have abandoned God and the principles upon which this great nation and great nations have been built down through history. And so the love of God is important. He said, do this knowing that the time now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. He's talking to believers now. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, orderly, in the way that God meant for it to be. The cosmos, the order there. As in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife or envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, just clothe yourself with Jesus, with his love, with his teachings, and make no provision for the flesh, for the Adamic nature to rule us, because it's evil, it's wicked. And if you do that, you'll fulfill its lust. 
And then he didn't take a deep breath. We have a chapter heading there, but he says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Now, what he's getting to, he's following up on this idea of treating one another with dignity and respect. And he's talking about the law of love that supersedes any law. And he said, Receive one another, even those who are weak, but don't be arguing about things. Uh, you don't have to prove your point at every, you don't have to speak up against everything. There is a law that's higher than that. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables, he doesn't eat meat. Let not him who eats despise the one who does not eat, and let him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. You see, we get into these arguments over what's kosher, what's not kosher. We get into these arguments over drinking wine or eating too much meat, or they eat here, they didn't eat here. All of these different things they observed this day over that day. He said, who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls, not us is the implication and the explicit statement. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. In other words, you're not the judge, I'm not the judge. One person esteems one day above another. One says, well, I'm not going to have fellowship with you. You worship on Sabbath, and I worship on Sunday, therefore you're a heretic. That's not so. Let's let people settle this before God and quit judging one another. I would rather have a man as a brother who happens to think he needs to worship on Shabbat rather than the first day of the week or both days, whatever the case, or one that worships on Shabbat except that one who worships on Sunday and not try to make that the issue that separates us. You see, there's some things worth dying for. There's some things worth living for. But there is one thing we can all agree, God wants us to get along and love one another. I'm not talking about compromising anything you believe that's central to our relationship with God. But the Bible says here, verse 5, I'm not making this up. One person esteems one day above another. Well, I celebrate a Jewish holiday. Well, I don't. Well, bless you. That's okay. All right. Let each other be fully convinced in his own mind. In other words, you know why you believe what you do. Then be good with that. You don't have to convince everybody like you and cut everybody else who doesn't. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. He's doing that out of a motive. You say, well, I know he's doing that. You don't know anything. Who are you to, you don't know a man's heart. You don't know their motivation. Only God does. Matter of fact, sometimes they don't know it. We don't even know ourselves. The heart, you say, well, I know my heart. No, you don't. The heart is deceitful and wicked. It's deceitfully wicked above all things. And we think sometimes we're doing the same thing. Later we examine our motives and we go, oh my goodness, that was not good. Uh, it says that we need to let the one who observes this, let them observe it. He who eats, he eats unto the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and give thanks. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. No man's an island. Nobody's just out here saying, well, it doesn't matter what other people think as long as God sees one. Well, that's not true. That's not Bible. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, we live or die, whether we live or die, we're the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. This is why Messiah came. 
But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess. In other words, we're all going to stand before God. Why are you judging your brother? That's God's business. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have discernment. That doesn't mean you don't point out sin. That doesn't mean that you don't confront evil. But it does mean you don't condemn that person and cut them off just because they don't believe just like you do. This is where we are in our culture. This is where we are in our churches. This is where we are in our family. Well, you don't agree with me 100%. Well, you're off. I'm cutting you off. Well, it won't be long you'll be cutting your own arms off because you won't agree with yourself all the time because people do change. You change. You evolve. You, you grow up. Call whatever term you want to. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. That is, with censorious judgment, cutting people off, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Now, verse 14 says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Peter had to learn that in Acts chapter 10. But to him who considers anything unclean to him, it's unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy him with the food, the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be evil spoken of. In other words, something may not be wrong in itself, but if another brother that you're with thinks it is, don't do it. You say, well, bless God, I've got the freedom to do whatever I want to. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's not love. That's arrogance. That's ignorance. That's not taking God at his word. No, because you see, the one who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. In other words, do the right thing. Well, I've got a right. We don't do what we have a right to do. We do the right thing. Therefore, he says, let us pursue this verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace, shalom, for wholeness, for harmony, and the things by which one might build up another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are indeed pure, but it is evil from the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat nor drink wine, nor anything by which our brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith and trust for whatever is not of faith is sin. Now, let me just say very quickly in relationship to this. There are some people, the church is divided in many places over wine, alcohol. Let me just say to you, if you're around somebody, even if you love wine and you don't drink in excess, you are drinking, you're having a meal in your home, you're having wine with dinner, you're having communion, you use wine, whatever the case is, wine is wine. You say, well, in the New Testament, it's all grape juice. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That's inaccurate. That's false. You say, well, the wine Jesus made wasn't as strong. Well, now you're getting into degrees of how, what's the alcohol content. If it has alcohol, then it's alcoholic. And so this is crazy. You see, we're getting down to nitpicking now. What I'm saying to you is this. If you want to drink wine, drink wine. Keep it to yourself. Don't get out here and say, well, I have the freedom to drink wine, and you know that another brother is offended by that. You think God's pleased with you saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care who it offends. God doesn't like that. If you're going to drink wine, drink it in a place where there's no offense. 
If you're going to eat something that's offensive to a person, then eat it to yourself. Don't eat it right in front of them. Don't show that you're a Gentile by not being kosher around someone who's kosher. Why would you do that to a brother except that you're selfish and you're wanting to prove a point? I'm telling you. We're dividing churches, dividing families, dividing our country, trying to prove points that wouldn't matter to hoots in any way in eternity. And so what we've got to do is let the law of love control us, not what we want to do and be our own law. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.